with King Saul. He did, maybe not as quick as David would have liked. It was many years after David was anointed to be king that he actually became king. Uh, and yet, you know, I learned that because that's what the word says. If the word says, then, then uh, you know, a lot of people think that it's their job to, to correct the pastor and, and, uh, and to rebuke him and to stand up and tell him he's wrong and all those things. And never having read the Bible, I guess, you know. Uh, is the Lord not capable of hand, taking care of his own church? Didn't the Lord put these positions in the body of Christ? Uh, that, that doesn't mean you can't go and ask your pastor questions. And I, I think it's healthy and good to say, hey, pastor, you said that. You know, where'd you get that from? That kind of thing. But to stand up and rebuke him publicly, you know, I, I, I mean, it'd have to be a burning bush and, uh, you know, a, a few Hail Marys or something before I'd ever do anything like that. And, and in all the years I was with my pastor, I never did that. And, but people would, you know, gossip about him, talk, run him down. And, and I'm thinking, uh, are you not afraid to touch the Lord's anointed? You know, that's, 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 that's a correction to me, even though I didn't violate that. But still, it, it stood as a correction in my life, as, as a boundary that I don't go beyond that. And I, and I hear people all the time, you know, we've, we have visitors every now and then, well, you know, uh, uh, where are you from? You know, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go anywhere. I used to go over there, but you know, the pastor over there, blah, 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 say something about, terrible about the pastor. And I'm thinking, well, if you say that about the pastor that you just left, what are you going to say about this pastor when you're here? You know, I mean, I'm not a fool. And people think you're a fool, right? Then people think, you know, they, 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 don't, they think that, uh, that you're not actually listening to what they say. Uh, and they'll talk about, I remember one, people talked about some pastor over, in another city, well, they're, you, know, every, you know, they're a big ministry, but it's, it's, every, it's all about them. I'm like, well, what have you given up for the Lord? You know, you're sitting in these comfortable chairs and, you know, going to work every day, making a comfortable living, having given nothing, nothing up for the Lord. Now, I don't say all that, but, you know, but I'm also thinking, uh, aren't you afraid to touch the Lord's anointed, you know? Uh, uh, because the Lord, uh, that, that person can stand or fall, you know, by their own words, and uh, they don't need any help from, from you to rebuke them and to run them down and i'm not saying you can't talk about you know some doctrine that somebody said you know uh but there's a line that you can't cross that you shouldn't cross right uh, i have no, no problem saying well you know this minister said that you know and that seems to be you know according to this verse doesn't seem to be right you know i don't have a problem with that because the bible does say to to prove all things right and to hold fast that which is good so you can prove the things that a minister says and if it doesn't if it doesn't hold fast then you let it go right but then to say but then to go beyond that and say, well, you know, that minister is just sorry, individual, and whatever, and, uh, and to stand a judgment over them. I think sometimes we can get in it, into error real quick. Uh, but the Lord does chastise, uh, but he never chastises with sickness and disease. Uh, and so, but, but that, that minister who wrote that book, you know, and so, again, I have no problem with reading that book and saying, you know, with that, with that phrase that he said was 100% against the word of God. Now, uh, that if, uh, and I'm not going to tell you who it was, but that minister had a great, um, overall, had a, had a very good reputation in the body of Christ as one who was a, uh, a, a uniter and not, you know, somebody who's always looking for a fight, somebody who was advancing the cause of, of uh, the, uh, the Word of God and the, the Pentecostal message. Uh, but in that one area, for whatever reason, you know, they got a thorn in their craw and just, you know, uh, wanted to, to diminish uh, the idea and the concept that God heals every single time without exception, or God, that God desires to heal every single time without exception. Uh, because he said it, it, it makes people uh, uh, feel bad about themselves if they're not getting healed. Uh, but see, he also went in and said that the reason why we can't accept that concept is because many ministers at that time would say, if you're not getting healed, you're in sin. Or if you're not getting healed, you're just going to lack a faith. Uh, and so they would condemn the people who were sick because they're not getting well. And that is wrong, right? That's an error because as we've seen from the word of God, is there any consistent reason why people are not healed? No, there's a varying number of reasons why people are not healed. Amen. And, and some of them are, have to do with their own individual uh, sin that they're dealing with, right? Sometimes, remember the man born by four in Luke chapter five, Jesus said, son, thy sins are forgiven thee. And then he healed him. So sometimes sin has to be removed out of the way before you can obtain healing. Uh, other times, uh, I think it was at the man, the man at Pool of Bethesda, he said, go and sin no more. So, uh, and there was no forgiveness prior to that, but it was a warning to, to, to uh, you know, maybe, maybe, but maybe that sin didn't rise to the point that it was necessary to be forgiven of before receiving healing. Uh, and so uh, it could be a sin problem. It could be like the John chapter nine, the, the, the blind man, 
who was born blind. And Jesus said there was no reason why he was, there was no cause for this. It wasn't his parents or himself that sinned that caused this, this sickness to come upon him. It just happened. Uh, you know, uh, our bodies, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, our bodies are, are a product of the DNA of our parents. It's, it's not created by God. It's created by the inheritance of our, our genealogy. Our spirits are created by God, right? John 1, 9 says that God lights every man to come into the world. So our spirits are not a product of our parents. It comes directly from the Lord. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews that he's the father of all spirits. Uh, but, uh, the, but our bodies are, are uh, uh, a product, an offspring of the natural uh, connection of our parents. Uh, and so if there's any flaw in their DNA, which could occur over long periods of time, you know, it's been 6,000 years since Adam was here. Um, and, you know, if we live wrong and get into sin, then it affects our physical bodies and can cause flaws to occur in our DNA and, uh, and, and other things like that. And so it's just a natural, you know, this natural world is, is, is uh, been touched by sin. So everything that's been touched by sin is messed up. Uh, and for the most part, our bodies, you know, do pretty good in spite of that. But every now and then, you know, there's a flaw that occurs in, in, the, in the birth of a child, not because of God or because it just happened. And now it just happened for that blind man. There was some kind of flaw that was passed down from his parents. And maybe neither one of them had it. But sometimes when you bring two of them together, that uh, it causes a flaw to, to come uh, that comes to pass because of the genes. I'm not a doctor and, a, you know, I'm just telling you the general is how these things work. Uh, and and so maybe it wasn't a hereditary thing. Maybe it was just a thing that happened because that particular man married that particular woman and uh, anybody remember back in the day that you used to have to get a blood test before you get married, right? To make sure there wasn't any conflict, right? Because if you get this blood and this blood mixed together, you're going to have somebody with three legs and, and uh, four arms, you know, or I guess that's, that, that was a concern, right? That if these two blood types come together, then there's genetic defects that can occur because of that. And, and why did they stop doing that? I don't really know. Is there a reason why? Because it did medication... Even now, today. Well, yeah, I know, but but that. But I'm talking about the like blood test. It was it was uh, uh, it wasn't a blood test. To, well, I don't I don't know. I just know that you had to have a blood test before you got married, or um, yeah, before you got married, right? Uh, and did they say why they were doing that? Just shut up, do it anyway, right? Yeah, I mean that's uh, and so, uh, but they but they don't do that anymore. Maybe you know because medicine is capable of, of taking care of that. But but you know the whole thing was. Uh, because we live in a fallen state and our bodies have been been passing on uh, the spirit of death through every generation because of Adam, that that death can can come in there and cause flaws to uh, appear in the genetic sequence and and cause a sickness to appear that wasn't in the parents. Right. Or maybe even the grandparents anywhere in the in the history of the family, uh, because God didn't make the body. He'd made the first body, but he doesn't. He, you know, he kicked it off and then we take care of the rest since then. But the spirits are all alive unto God when they're born into the earth because God makes that. Every spirit, every child that comes into the earth, God uh, puts the spirit in them. Uh, and so I wasn't really trying to have a biology uh, discussion there, but, uh, but you can understand in that case, you know, God's not putting that sickness in the children because sometimes if a child is born sick, well, well that's the will of God. Well, no, the God didn't make the body. The body is an offspring of the parents' bodies, right? In whatever... Uh, flaws that they have in their DNA and and it could just because I, I know uh, my my oldest brother he was born with a half an arm right his arm was from his on his left arm uh, stopped just below his elbow uh, and at that time you remember all the medicine they gave you for like morning sickness and they found out you know uh, this morning sickness medicine works really great except uh, you're missing an arm and I'm pretty sure that my mom, you know, of course, she's been gone for a long time, so I can't ask her now. But I, I imagine that there's a good chance she was taking some of because she was in that time frame when they would give that medicine. And then it realized, yeah, oh, this is great for morning sickness, except now you've got two heads and six arms, you know, when the child is born. And oh, let's just not do that anymore. Right. And so they a lot of medication. They quit doing it because they realized that they, that the mother was fine, didn't cause any harm to the mother. In fact, it helped the mother but it caused a defect, a genetic defect to occur in the child. Uh, and so there could have been an environmental things that were going on, you know. I mean, it's not like you go back in the old days and they were eating all kinds of botulism and scary things. And, uh, you know, they didn't have any, any real way to, to maintain uh, 
their food, you know, the, all the food and things. And, uh, and so uh, maybe there was some environmental thing that they had. You know, they didn't know if, I mean, if they slept on a, on a bed of uranium, you know, they wouldn't know. They didn't have any, any ways to measure that, right, at the time. And so they, who knows what kind of radiation they were eating or drinking or whatever that was in that area. I'm not saying that, I don't know what happened. The Bible says we don't know what happened, right? So we don't know what the cause of it was. But, but there was no, uh, it wasn't God's intent that the man was born blind. And it wasn't due to, due to their own sin that caused the man to be blind. It, was, it just happened. Uh, and so uh, none of that shows the will of God. None of it is a display of the will of God. Jesus said there's no cause for this at all. It wasn't my will. In fact, my will is to heal him. And that's what, uh, that's what he showed to us. So, so uh, the will of God never changes it's always to heal uh, and the cause of every sickness and disease and that's what we were saying about the the, the minister who wrote that book was he w- he was upset really because the pentecostal um line at the time was if you don't get healed then you're in sin either you're in sin or you have lack of faith uh, and uh neither one of those could be true it could be a thousand reasons and except for the, the revelation of the Spirit of God, we don't know. Now, if you talk to me and I listen to you for a while, you know, probably, you know, five or six seconds, I can probably tell you why you're, why you're sick, right? Well, you know, every time it gets cold, I'm always the first one to get it, you know? Well, then there you go, right? Why are you, why are you, why are you wondering why you're sick? You just told me why you're sick. Uh, and so, but, you know, a, a lot of things, unless the Spirit of God reveals it to you, you may not know. But here's the thing. If the Lord doesn't reveal something to you, then, then, there, then I think he's big enough to answer you, isn't he? You know, unless you're just stiff-necked or something and just, you know, have, have a history of ignoring what the Lord says. You know, if you're a, kind of a normal, sincere Christian, I think if you ask the Lord why you're not getting well, I think he would tell you, uh, if there's a cause. And if he doesn't tell you, then my assumption, and I would tell the Lord this, I said, well, Lord, you've not told me, so I'm going to assume that there's nothing there, so I'm just going to keep believing you for healing. Because if he said there was something there before I would believe God for healing, I would first deal with that thing. Well, it's because of this or this, right? If because of the sin or it's because you said this or because you did that, then I would deal with that thing. And then I would believe God for healing. So you still believe God for healing no matter what. But if there's roadblocks, you deal with the roadblocks and you still go on. And that's where a lot of people have a hard time is if the Lord says, well, it's because you did this 20 years ago, then I guess I'm just got to suffer this sickness and disease. Well, then that's what he could have told the man born by four, right? Well, you're in sin. I ain't healing you. Do it yourself. He could have said that, right? It would have been cruel and unkind, but he could have done that. But no, what did he do? He forgave him first, and then he healed him. Well, can't you be forgiven first and then be healed? Well, surely you can. I mean, that, isn't that, I mean, if you think about it, and this goes back to what we said this morning about I have great confidence in the word of God, and the Lord put the things in the word that we needed to know. And so if he, if he gave us a story of, hey, here's a person that was in sin, they received forgiveness, and then they received healing. So that should tell you then the Lord is willing for you to receive forgiveness if you're in sin, and then to heal you. To say anything else is foolish. And a lot of times I hear people say foolish things, you know, well, I've made my bed hard, I'm going to lie in it. You know, that's a person of no faith. A person of real faith would say, you know, I made my bed, but I'm burning it and get me a new one. And I'm, then I'm going to get healed. That's what a person of faith would do. A person of no faith would go, oh, I made my bed hurt. Well, aren't you special, right? I mean, wow, you're, the Lord's really impressed with you, isn't he, right? I mean, you just made it, you let, slept in a hard, lumpy bed. How is that impressive to the Lord? How has that helped you? How has that helped your family? How has that helped uh, anybody any, at all? Hasn't helped you? Hasn't helped anybody around you? And yet I hear people say prideful things like that on a regular basis. And, oh, I made my bed harder. Like I'm supposed to be impressed with that, you know, I'm not impressed with foolishness at all. And so uh, my, my, my uh, 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 counsel would be get forgiveness and move on. Amen. And then, uh, you know, some people want to now people will remember your sin forever. But God said he puts it in the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. So if he can forget it, why can't you forget it? Uh, if, if he can forget their sins, why can't you forget their sins? You know, I mean, people, you know. You go up to somebody, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I remember all your sins. <laughs> well, thanks. I didn't really bring it up, but thanks for reminding me about it anyway, right? Aren't, aren't people terrible at remembering your sins? Oh, yeah. oh, I remember what you did, you know? And I was like, here, hang on. Uh, here's a mirror. You know, take this and go home, right? Uh, and so, uh, anyway, that's, uh, uh, the will of God is to always heal. Amen? Uh, the will of God is always to, to protect. And, 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 and we know, 
you know, I think the best, uh, the, the best uh, uh, verse that I like is in Galatians chapter 2, where Paul said in verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. To me, that gives me the most insight into why we don't receive the blessings of the Lord. Because if I, you ever try to help somebody and you can't, what do you feel? You feel frustrated, don't you? You want to help. You're able to help. You, you have the time to help, the money to help, but you can't help because the person who needs help won't let you help them. You ever had somebody who won't let you help them? Because, hey, if you come over here right now, I'll help you. No, I'm too busy. Too busy for help? I mean, you, you said you needed help, right? Uh, you ever had people ask you for help and then, then they give you a bunch of rules and regulations about how you can help them, right? Well, on a Tuesday between the times of th- 3 and 4 o'clock, you know, they're not, they're not trying to, they don't try to, Make it convenient for you, then make it convenient for them. And and uh, I know sometimes you know that that's that may be necessary, but sometimes people are like, well, um, what do I have to do to, for you to help me? Well, just show up. <sighs> I th- that's so much work. Can you come to me? You know, uh, and I you know I have never been ama- never been uh, um, failing in, in amazement about. What people will ask you to do for them sometimes, you know, it's like, uh, I mean, they just ask you the most insane thing. Hey, you know, can can uh, can you do this ginormous thing for you? No, you know, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You know, uh, uh, can you mow my yard the rest of rest of your life? No, I mean, you know, I mowed you one time. You know, can you just do that for now on? No, you know. Well, aren't you a servant? Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm not a slave though. You know, uh, and so uh, people they're crazy sometimes, right? Um, and so uh, if you want to help somebody, but you're unable for whatever reason, uh, then that's frustrating, isn't it? And I, and, and I think that, that the phrase there is the best phrase uh, uh, of understanding why uh, people are not healed, that God is frustrated. Uh, and, and so he, he said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Uh, and so uh, if God is unable to heal somebody, then he's frustrated. And our job then is to find out, well, Lord, what is frustrating you? About, you know, well, every time I want to heal you, heal you, you negate it by your words. I probably won't get healed. You know, God never heals me. God never answers my prayers. The Bible doesn't work for me. Uh, God was just about to do it, and then you, you cut him off, right? You, you frustrated him from being able to help you. Uh, and so, uh, and see, if you understand that, if you understand the will of God, See, that's half the battle right there. Then, then if there are roadblocks, then you deal with roadblocks. But if there's no roadblocks, then you don't make up roadblocks. I must have a secret sin. Now you're making stuff up. Secret from who? Does the Lord not know? Surely the Lord knows. Didn't you ask him? If you asked him, is, is, didn't he say, uh, ask and what? You shall receive, right? Well, he didn't answer me. Well, then he's a liar. Because he said, if you ask, you'll what? You'll receive, right? So every time I ask, I always expect an answer. Uh, and so, um, you know, he, and, and see, he's the one who wrote those guidelines, right? He said, if you'll ask, then you'll receive. So if he wrote it, then he's obligated to do that. We're not, well, you shouldn't, you can't demand God to do something. I'm not demanding God to do anything except do what he said he would do. If he said that if I ask, I will receive, then, then, then I'll go to the Lord and say, Lord, you, you said if I ask, I'll receive. So I expect to get an answer. I need to know why I'm not getting healed. Uh, that, that's not being disrespectful. It's being a person of faith, right? It's just being, being somebody who has read the word of God, the contract that we have. Uh, you ever read a contract? Uh, you know, I, I, I read lots of contracts and, and I'll go through and I'll make sure I understand, you know, all the nitty gritty. And then and if I need to, I'll go back and say, well, it says right here, paragraph 13 right here. Now, I remember years ago, I, we sold a house and uh, in the, I read the contract, you know, and the, the contract said that if the person gives you earnest money, right? So if you sell a house, you know, the first part, they sell, I'll give you a dollar for it, right? And then, or maybe it's, uh, you know, $50,000 for the house. And then I'll put down typically, you know, $500 or something. Uh, and then if they bail on the contract, you get to keep the money, right? I mean, that's the whole reason to give an earnest money is in case they bail. But sometimes there's an out, right? Sometimes if the bank falls through or something, then they get all their money back. But if they just say, you know, I changed my mind. Well, then they lose their earnest money. But in the contract, it said, if they do that, then the, um, uh, then the real estate agent gets all the earnest money. Well, it's like, well, it's my house. I should get some of that too, right? I mean, I had to, you know, I had to clean the house, let them see it sometime, right? I just get, 
And so I called up the uh, real estate agent and said, hey, uh, paragraph 23, section two says, you know, this right here. I said, I want that change. You know, we're going to split that, you know, I'll split it with you, but you know, you're not getting all of it. And she said, I didn't even know that was in there. Uh, and, and so it's helpful to read contracts sometimes. Right. Uh, and so it's, uh, 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 I, and I read the, the word of God the same way. Lord, you said right there, you said right here in chapter three, verse four, this thing right here. And if you said that, then you're obligated to do it. Uh, now, who's the one who put himself out to, to obligate himself? He said he swore by nothing higher. He couldn't find anything higher to swear by than his own word. And so he said, this is my word, and I will live up to it. The, the earth would have to stop spinning before I would do it. And if the earth did stop spinning, which he did one time with Joshua, he still did his word, didn't he? Uh, so, so it's important, if, if you're going to start on the path of being a person of faith in the area of healing, then you've got to start with understanding and being sure of the, word, the will of God uh, for your healing. Amen. Uh, and so, so uh, we're here uh, talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh from Brother, Brother Ballsworth. And, um, uh, you know, and I was thinking about this earlier today, just about uh, using this book or any other book about healing. You know, we're not, we're not reading these books and just saying, well, this is what Brother Ballsworth said, so it must be okay. Right? And I know, I know we know that, but, uh, but anytime you read a book from anybody, you always, are, you always have to find out where did they get that from, right? What's the foundation of what they just said? Is there a Bible verse for what they said? If it's just their opinion, then, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of, of books of any kind related to the Word of God where it's just full of somebody's opinion. And I think I, I was telling uh, Sue before service that I was reading somebody's book. Uh, and they said, well, this means this, 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 and this, right? And they kept saying, this means this, this means that, this means this bunch of allegories and types of shadows but they never said why it meant any of that or where they got the idea from or what the foundation of bible verse for that idea was and so to me it's like is it true i don't know if it's true and and i have very little regard uh, I, i'm not saying that person wasn't right but i don't know if they're right or not because i have nothing to 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 find the, the source of their idea or the revelation right uh, and so uh, and, and that's one reason why I, I really like Brother Hagin's stuff, because if you read, it's just Bible verses. Here's a Bible verse. Here's what it means. You know, here's another Bible verse that says what it means. You know, here's another Bible verse that says, tells you why that does say what that just said. Uh, and, and so, uh, and that's really actually fairly rare. You know, a lot of times you read this stuff, and they'll just say things, and, or they'll use some, some natural thing, which is okay. I don't have a problem with that, because the Bible does say that, that nature does point us towards God. But you can't take it to an extreme, right? Uh, to a point that it's, you don't even know if what they just said is so. Because you get, sometimes when you get into the natural world, you, you cross the line into mysticism, people worshiping trees and things that, you know, the, the trees or animals, they're not, they're not deity. And, you know, they say, well, Mother Nature said this. And there's no, you know, there's no real lady actually named Mother Nature, right? Even though, uh, wasn't there a, like a margin commercial, right? It's not nice to fool Mother Nature, right? You know, that she wasn't a real person, right? I mean, we all know that. But, but even the church sometimes, you know, they'll say, well, you know, the, the universe didn't let me do that. There's no, there's no mind in the universe. It's a created thing, right? Uh, and so there is God and there's the creation, uh, but creation doesn't have a mind. And, and, and we have a mind, but, uh, you know, that plant over there doesn't have a mind. Uh, you can get into, because there's nothing in the Word of God that says that plant has a mind, right? So you, you can't add to the Word of God and say things because you get into areas that the world has added to uh, the concepts of things. And so, uh, so, uh, so just, you know, though, even as we study these, these books, you know, we're not, we're not up here just saying, well, well Brother Bosworth said this, so it must be so. No, we, we look at it because uh, the, these writers have got revelation that can add to our lives. And so we take the revelation, then we confirm it by the word of God, and we go, well, then the word of God says it, and, and the way he says that, has given us more insight into that particular Bible verse. So we're not just looking for, well, so-and-so said that, because that's not the way we operate around here. You know, we say, well, the Bible said that, and, and here's the insight that, that Brother Bosworth gave us that, that, that helps us understand the Word of God, amen? Because the Word of God is a living, it's a living revelation, so there's always more revelation in the Word of God. And so if we read a thousand books from people, and they all have revelation, then there's no problem with that being that much revelation in those Bible verses, because... We will never exhaust all the revelation in a Bible verse that's there, right? Uh, and so, 
so uh, he, he's kind of winding down this chapter here. Uh, and, you know, he, he's kind of making a, a, a case here that uh, in addition to what we already read about the Paul's thorn in the flesh from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that it was not sickness and disease. That also pointing out that if it had been sickness and disease, would that have hindered Paul's ministry? Would that have hindered him from doing his ministry? I mean, if he's, if he's got so much, uh, and of course that one fellow said he got pus just running down his eyes, and, which would be really gross and painful to the point of uh, like stakes stabbing you, you know. Seems like that would slow you down some, right? And not being able to accomplish all the will of God, right? Now, I know sometimes people are troopers and they really press through their pain, but they can't do everything they should do. Right. They're limited. They'll do a few things. They'll do the really important things. But as far as just going and planting some flowers in the garden, they won't do that because it's too much work or sometimes cleaning their house or making their own food or, you know, they just don't feel like it. Uh, and we're not just dis- disparaging people that are in that case. But the whole point of, of sickness and disease, if it's severe, like like people think that Paul's was, you know, that would have limited him. That would have hindered him doing his work. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, uh, when when uh, he gave, and gave, gave a Bible verse here, 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says in verse 7, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So how would Paul have been able to finish the course? Right? He may have fought a good fight and may have kept the faith, but if he had been that sick and diseased, he, there's no way he could have finished the course. Fin- in other words, done all the things that God told him to do. I need you to go to Asia. I need you to go to... I need you to go to uh, the area of Galatia. I need you to go to, to you know, to uh, Philippi and, to, and Colossae and to, uh, Thessalonica. I need you to go to all these places. Uh, and, and Paul, you know, I'm really tired. You know, I don't feel good. And, uh, would Paul have been able to do everything God had told him to do if he was, if he was as sick as some people believe that he was? And, well, he, there's no way he could have, right? Uh, and, and then he brings out a point here. And, you know, this point, I think you can maybe take it with a grain of salt because it's doesn't, it doesn't really say it this way, but uh, it, it's, it's not an unreasonable uh, thought here in Galatians chapter 4. Uh, now, you remember uh, Galatia, right? Gal- uh, Galatia was not a city, right? Galatia was an area, kind of like a county, right? We're going to Ray County, and in Ray County, you've got Dayton, you've got Spring City, you've got Grandview, you've got... Uh, uh, Sale Creek, right? You've got Evansville. You've got, uh, what's the place over here? The, uh, the Morgantown, right? I mean, those are regions, right? Uh, uh, some are cities or towns, or some are just, you know, three houses in, in, a, in, a, in a stop sign, right? Uh, and so Galatia was like a county, right? I don't know. It wasn't necessarily a county, but because they didn't have counties then, but it was a collection of, of Antioch, uh, Iconia, Lystra, and Derby. Those four cities made up the region of Galatia. Uh, and so, if you remember from uh, Acts chapter 14, uh, he was at Lystra. And so, Lystra was one of the cities of Galatia, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, in fact, I'll just read this verse and we'll jump out back over to uh, Acts chapter 14. Uh, he said uh, in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 4, verse 13, he said, And you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first, right? At the very beginning. So, uh, if we go back then now to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 14. So chapter 14, um, he said, um, well, in just in verse 1, it says, and it came to pass in Iconium. So Iconium is one of the cities of Galatia. So the book of Galatians, when he's writing to the, to the po- folks at Galatia, this is some of the people that he was writing to, right? So at Galatia, uh, they were, uh, went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake. And it comes down to verse 6. And they were aware of it and, and fled unto Lystra and Derby, also cities of Galatia, uh, uh, cities of, of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. Uh, and there they preached the gospel. And there's a certain man at Lystra. So they started out in Iconium. Now they're at Lystra. Uh, and because they got chased out by the by the Jews there. And we know this uh, the story here where it says that the man at Lystra, it says in verse 10, Saul uh, said, uh, Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. So a man at Lystra now was was healed. Uh, and so then we know the next few verses, they try to worship Paul and Barnabas. They said uh, that uh, uh, in verse 12, they called Barnabas Jupiter and, and Paul 
Macarius because he was the chief speaker. So now they're trying to worship him, right, and, and, uh, uh, and make offerings for him. Uh, and, and, sir, and he says in verse 15, Paul said this, Sirs, why do you these things? We are also men of like passions with you. So we're, we're just people, right? We're not worthy to be worshipped. And, and it's always good to remind yourself you are not worthy to be worshipped. So uh, it says in verse 18, And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. So the people loved Paul and, and, and Barnabas so much they wanted to offer sacrifices to their gods for the work that Paul and Barnabas had done. Uh, and, and so uh, five minutes later then, it says, uh, I'm adding the five minutes part, but it says, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, also cities of Galatia, who persuaded the people, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city and supposing he had been dead. I always think that's an amazing verse. I mean, five seconds later, they were worshiping him, wanted to, wanted to kill a sacrifice on behalf of Paul and Barnabas. Oh, thank you. You're so wonderful. You're, you're amazing. You know, we love you. We love you so much. And now we're going to kill you because we love you so much, right? Uh, and so they, and they stoned him to death, right? Uh, and and uh, they thought he and he thought he was dead. And, and some people uh, surmise that that when Paul talks about being called up to the third heaven and seeing things, that this is probably when it happened. And it's probably as good a time that happened to any of them. And he's dead. He's got to be somewhere, right? Because the Bible says to be uh, when you die, that you're absent from the body. Uh, and and uh, we know plenty of stories. People die, and the Lord says, "Now you got to go back." Right? Well, I don't want to go back. And so Paul heard things. You know. There's a good chance, just as reasonable as any other time, that, he, that, he, that this is when it occurred. We don't know for sure. So, we, you know, you can't be dogmatic about it, but it seems reasonable, right? Uh, that uh, when he's dead here, that he's up in heaven, the Lord's talking to him, you know, and while they're sitting around, just, you know. And, and it's funny because it says, how be it as the disciples stood round about him. Nobody's praying for him. They're just like, wow, look, he's dead. Wow, that's a shame, right? Uh, hey, what do you want to do for lunch? I mean, you know, there's not, thanks for the help, right? Standing around looking at he's dead. And, and you know, it's like, well, what were they doing? I mean, nobody's praying for him to get raised from the dead, right? Peter before raised people from the dead. Hey, where's Peter? You know, come, you know, you know, uh, remember even the Old Testament, the prophet would lay on him, right? Hey, he's dead, you know. Paul did that uh, in, in one of his stories too when somebody died, right? Paul laid on him. The disciples are standing around going, wow, that's a shame. Uh, and, and, but Paul rose up. Uh, and, and, uh, and so came into the city and the next day uh, departed with Barnabas to Derby. So that, again, that's another city of Galatia. So Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby are the four cities of Galatia. And, and so Derby is in the area of Galatia. So when Paul said uh, back to Galatians 4.13, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. So... Uh, if he if he is referencing any good right this is a reasonable thing again uh, it, it doesn't tie it directly to it so you can't be super dogmatic about it but it seems to fit that you know if just yesterday you were stone dead and i know people are stone dead today but it's from smoking things they are not smoke but you know i'm talking about with a real rock right now you ever been hit by a rock it really hurts to get hit by a rock right uh, and so and that's just one rock you know they they were they love stoning people to death in, in the old testament for whatever reason I guess it was cheap, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, what do you think the physical ramifications of being stoned would be with rocks? Do you think he'd have any cuts or bruises or anything? And I mean, uh, you know, you think there'd be any, any uh, pain at first until it got healed up? I mean, the Lord could have healed him immediately, but he could have just raised him from the dead and then let the nature take its course for the rest of it. Again, it, it's, it's a bit of... of uh, 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 just their idea or concept of, of what Paul was talking about. But it fits as well as anything to me because uh, it says at the first, right? At the beginning when I was there, first there. And so when he first went to Derby, you know, he might have had an ear hanging off. I don't know, you know, but uh, so I don't, you know, again, it's just, it's really just uh, a particular idea, right? And so. Yeah, and that, well, that's the verse that people use to say that Paul had an eye disease, right? 
but it's really no more accurate than anything else because there's nothing there anywhere that Paul ever said because we read all the story, all the lists of things that he'd gone through, right? Uh, in fact, some there in chapter 11 of Second Corinthians, all the persecution he went through and being stoned and struck dead and in, in a boat. But he never lists any sickness or disease anywhere. But if it was as bad as, as people say he was, that it was a disease of the eye, surely he would have listed that somewhere. So there's no other evidence that it was an actual eye disease. Uh, and plucking your eye out is not something that somebody would actually do. Uh, and so that's really an idiom of, I mean, you wouldn't actually say, hey, give me your eyeball. You know, you'd, but you'd, you know, we say things like, well, that cost me an arm and a leg. Well, you don't actually go down and hack off your arm or leg. That's just a saying that means it cost a lot, right? And, and, I, and, and for me, reading that, because of the whole context of Paul's life and what we know about him, he never mentions any, any sickness as things that he suffered because 2 Corinthians 12, the, the thorn in the flesh, never mentions sickness. They say it's sickness because of Galatians 5, 15, right? Or 4, 4 15, right? Uh, and so, so they put those two, but I think that's a weak argument because... I think uh, I think the better argument would have been uh, that he was stoned, and and that's what Acts 14 says. He was stoned, and he got up and went and preached in another city in Galatia. You think he had a black eye? Maybe he might have had a black eye, right? Uh, you know, black eye might take a while to heal. Uh, and you know, would would they have plucked their eyes out because of his black eyes? You know, I mean, maybe that's what the context of it was. Uh, but to say that he has sickness and disease doesn't. Uh, Paul had many opportunities to say he was sick in all the list of things that he suffered, but he never said he was sick. Because a lot of times people say, I'm suffering for the glory of God. And why wouldn't Paul have said that if it was for the glory of God, if it was there to show that God can still work through you while you're sick? So that, to me, that doesn't fit very good. And again, this is not a very strong argument that, that, uh, that Galatians uh, 4.13 uh, was talking about here from the story from Acts. But it seems to fit pretty well to me that, uh, you know, because uh, even even sometimes when God supernaturally heals, um, you know, just like with the with the uh, uh, with the lepers in, in Luke 13, remember that there was 10 of them, right? Nine were healed, but only one of them was made whole. So uh, it appears that nine of them had some physical uh some physical things still wrong with them as a result of the leprosy, the leprosy itself, because it's a virus, right? Isn't leprosy a virus? I think not a germ, uh, but whatever it is, the leprosy itself was gone, but whatever, whatever uh, uh, maladies or whatever causes the, the uh, leprosy caused in the physical bodies, because sometimes it causes you to lose arm or lose fingers or noses or something. It appears that those things were still not restored except for the one Samaritan leper that came back because he was the only one made whole all the other ones were healed uh, and so uh, uh, and that seems to fit pretty well with everything right so so there can be time when when you are you know you're healed of something but there's still maybe some some residual physical effects of that that may take their natural course to be healed uh, and again none of this to me is you can't be dogmatic about it, really any of these things but, you know, you want, what you want to do is look at the whole counsel of God, see does this fit with everything, because if Paul said at the first, and then we go back in Acts chapter 14 and see that, well, then that could have been the residual effects of being stoned, and, and it also fits in the fact that Paul never mentioned sickness and disease, right? And so, again, it, to me, it fits all the counsel of God, as opposed to Galatians 4.15, plucking your eyes out, okay, that assumes that there's sickness that was the cause of that, and they pick Second Corinthians 12, which doesn't even talk about sickness. It talks about thorns in the flesh. To me, that's not even a good fit. So, you, you know, you have to have an open heart in dealing with these things. And so are you going to argue that uh, when he said at the first that he wasn't talking about uh, uh, Derby after being stoned? That, that's fine. I got no problem with it again, right? But to me, it does kind of fit with the whole, uh, with the whole uh, concept there. Uh, and again... Um, if someone's going to argue that this is not the case, that when he said at the first it was not talking about Acts 14, I'm okay with that because, again, it's not real strong. It does fit overall in the whole story of Paul's life, I think, uh, versus the other concept that one verse says that he had, that he didn't say Paul had eye. It said, you'd give me your eyes, but, you know, people call me four eyes, so maybe you give me your eyes. Now i got six eyes, right? I mean, I don't know, but... Um, so it wasn't say that he needed their eyes. He just said that you'd give me your eyes uh, for me. Uh, 
I mean, that you, you, are in, you are inferring something. You're inferring that Paul's eyes needed to be replaced. But that's an inference, right? That's where you're adding to what it says. It doesn't really say he needed eyes to be replaced. It just says they would give me your eyes, right? Well, that should be obvious. But if it's an idiom, which is just a saying that means something else, it's not obvious because, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that we say in America that, that you know, uh, well, that costs you an arm and a leg. Well, if you said that in another country, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, which arm? I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know, if you went to other countries, they wouldn't know that phrase because it's a phrase that we would say that, that uh, I don't say it, but, but Americans say that. So, uh, you know, in Bible, in, in Bible studying, you've got to make sure that, you know, it's okay to infer things if it fits the whole counsel of God, right? If, well, it seems like he's saying this because of all these other verses. That's acceptable. That's fine because that's, that's part of how revelation is. What is he really trying to say here? Uh, so we're not going to, I mean, we're not going to make a super strong case for that, but we do know Paul said he finished his course. And I don't know how, if you've got debilitating eye disease, how you could have finished everything God told you to do. You don't think one day he, he couldn't get out of bed and preach if he had uh, that level of sickness and disease, that there's one time that he just couldn't get up and, and do something. And I mean, that's really saying that Paul was an amazing man, that he had debilitating disease and it never slowed him down, not a minute. That's pretty impressive, right? Uh, I mean, because we know other times Paul said that, that he wanted to go somewhere, but Satan hindered him. So I thought Paul was the great man of faith that nothing stopped him. And yet he said Satan hindered him from going somewhere. So, you know, you've got to be careful of, of uh, uh, number one, being too dogmatic about things when you don't have enough light in the scripture for it. Uh, but then also be willing to look at the whole counsel of God's See, does it fit from this angle, fit from that angle? Uh, I mean, I understand that people take the verse out of Galatians and the, the verse out of 2 Corinthians 12, tie them together, say Paul was, was deathly sick of this eye disease, but then it fought the, whole, the whole value of using 2 Corinthians 12 to strengthen the idea of that falls apart because 2 Corinthians 12 is never talking about sickness and disease. So now you're stuck only with Galatians 4.15. So if you're stuck with only one verse then you don't have enough light to make a strong case about it, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, and I know some of that, we're, we're belaboring the point a little bit, but that's really how you're supposed to be a good student of the Word, is put everything together, look at it from multiple angles, make sure it fits every, everything that you can come up with, uh, you know, beat on it, make sure it's strong enough to, to withstand scrutiny. Uh, and, and then maybe, because even, even this, you know, we only have the, the verse in Galatians and the, the story in Acts, uh, but then we also have all the all the testimony of Paul in the sufferings that he did uh, on behalf of the, uh, the the gospel. If you put all of that together, it, to me, it all fits. Uh, you can't put Galatians four fifteen and Second Corinthians together, Second Corinthians twelve together, because it doesn't fit. So you have to abandon that idea. Well, you can't you can't continue with that because it doesn't fit. Now, if you can find Galatians four fifteen and maybe somewhere it says, and Paul said, I can't see because I got sickness in my eyeballs. Okay, well, that's a verse, right? Then you can put those together. But we don't have those verses. So, you know, I get a little frustrated sometimes when people take really weak arguments and they build strong docu- doc- doctrines from weak arguments. Uh, uh, I would, uh, you know, uh, I don't care sometimes in talking about these things because I think sometimes it's good to, to discuss, well, maybe these things fit together. But you kind of have to leave it at just kind of a casual discussion. You can't be super dogmatic about it. Like I said, if somebody says, well, I don't believe that's, you know, Galatians 4.13 and, and Acts 14 go together. Okay, that's fine. I don't, you know, I have no problem with that because I can't tell you I've got enough scripture to strengthen the argument. No problem at all. But some folks would fight to, to near death to say in 2 Corinthians 12 and the thorn in the flesh was, was sickness and disease, strong sickness, you know, bad sickness, you know. But it doesn't fit with 2 Timothy 4.7 that Paul had finished his course. So what are you going to do with that? How are you going to put those two together? You can't, they don't fit, Right. So if they don't fit, you know, then, then, then uh, you've got to move on. Amen. Uh, and so, <clears throat> but, you know, when he said at the first, to me, that does kind of imply there was a time frame for this thing, right? Yeah. And the goal of that was to hinder the revelation going forth, right? 
And uh, in fact, I think there was something else that we needed to see from Second Corinthians. Let's, let's turn back there real quick. Um, uh, and it says, and again, the, the goal is lest I should be exalted above measure. But we know that the Lord said multiple times that if you humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, he will do what? Exalt you. So is it the will of God that he exalts his people uh, that are humble? He said, that's my will. My desire is to exalt people that are humble. So this can't be the will of God that hinders Paul being exalted because that would go against other scriptures that are clear and plain. Because it, and, and beyond that, it also says that the source of the, the thorn was who? Who is the messenger of? Messenger of Satan. So it's not a messenger of God. If it, if it had said an, an angel from heaven was sent down to buffet me, well, then we got to scratch all of our doctrine and start back over right i mean that's 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 a whole that's another whole ball game right there right I and mean, we'd have to start over but it's messenger of satan so whatever it is not good wasn't sent by god god's not in the habit of using satan to 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 work on his behalf uh even though people all oh, what about job you know you all know about job we're not going to go about it but but uh, uh but so uh, and, and of course, we went through all. How many references did we go through for the Old Testament? Now I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got six references, and I wrote them down in my Bible there, so I always got them with me. Six references from the Old Testament that that confirm that thorn and flesh was always people. It was always somebody that was annoying Paul to the point that that uh, he went to the Lord about it, because unless the Lord gave him the the spiritual unction to to you know, bind or loose somebody like that, you know, Paul doesn't have any authority over somebody's spirit. He can't just say, you know, shut up and leave me alone. Uh, you're bothering me. So if they're bothering him, you know, unless the Lord tells you to do something about it, you got to be bothered. And Paul didn't like being bothered about it. Would you like being bothered by somebody all the time? Every time you go somewhere, they're huckling you or doing whatever. Uh, and so, and that's why he went to the Lord. Uh, and, but see, uh, he said, uh, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Well, that power is dunamis, the supernatural miracle work and power of God. So if, if, the, if the supernatural miracle work and power of God was upon you, how could you not get healed if you were sick? Uh, again, the argument that it was sickness doesn't make any sense because the whole purpose, every time we see the word power used in the connection with the ministry, it always results in healing and deliverance. Uh, and so... Um, uh, deliverance from, you know, from uh, demonic oppression or demonic possession. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, does, it doesn't fit that it's sickness and disease, right? Uh, and so uh, he said, uh, therefore, I, will, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So, and, and so he's really finishing up the, the argument here that, the infirmities are causing him to be weak, not sick, but to be weak. Well, weak in what capacity? Well, weak in dealing with this person, right? You remember we talked about that, how you ever notice that this guy over here has the ability to push your buttons? You can put it to this guy all day long. But this guy over here, he can say one thing, and you just, you know, want to bite a nail. This guy over here, blah, 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 right? So whatever he says doesn't bother you. But for some reason, this guy over here, he bothers you every time he says something. Why is that? Because they know the buttons to push. Uh, and whoever these people were that were annoying Paul knew the buttons to push. But he said, look, he said, uh, now that the Lord gave me a revelation here that his grace is there to put up with this fella or people, right? We don't know if it's one or more people. It says the messenger of Satan, so it implies a singular person. But, um, but whatever this person was, Paul, prior to getting this revelation that he had the grace to deal with it, uh, he would always fail and get, get mad, get upset, get bothered by it. Uh, you know, people all the time, they'll call me up and say, hey. Uh, in fact, someone just said, and today, in fact, they called, hey, got some bad news for you. You know, I learned a long time ago, there's neither good news or bad news. It's just news. Right. And, and I decide whether it's good news or bad news. But a lot of times people say something and you're like, oh, I can't believe it. No, what am I going to do now, you know? And they kept saying, I'm sorry to tell you this. Yeah, I'm sorry to tell you this. It's, that ain't bothered me, but, you know, it's just, it's just information. It's not bad news, right? Well, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. It's not bad news. I, I decided a long time ago, I, I get no bad news. I just get news. Yeah, because my God's got all the answers. So how is it bad news? It's just news. If, he, if he's going to deliver me and he's going to give me the grace to deal with it, how is it bad news? It's just news. 
Uh, and so, and that's what Paul is saying. Look, I learned something here. You know, I went to the Lord three times. Why did he have to go to the Lord three times? Because the first time, two times the Lord was like, I ain't answering that. You need to grow up. You should have known this by now, Paul. Didn't. I mean, he, he got all the revelation. I mean, he just said earlier on, he said, I was, I was in heaven. Heard things that can't be told. He didn't hear enough, though, did he? Uh, sometimes, you know, you, you don't hear, you hear. You hear things, but you don't hear it as well as you ought to. Uh, he should have known that, right? I'm not trying to be super hard on Paul, because he said that he lives by the grace of God, right? He said that uh, in earlier, or, or it's actually later than this, right? Galatians chapter 2, right? I live by the grace of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, uh, and so he said, not I, you know, it's not I that live, but Christ which liveth in me. Now, he was probably writing that after 2 Corinthians because he learned it in 2 Corinthians, right? He said, Galatians, no, look how smart I am. I know all these things, right? Yeah, but because you, you were slow in 2 Corinthians is why you're, you know, you ever said something, oh, I've known this forever, uh, you know, and, and actually you just learned it just a minute ago, right? Uh, and, and I've had my friend Jerry comes and asks me, I'll say something, he goes, when did you learn that? And a lot of times I, say, I learned the same time you learned it. I mean, just right there, right there when I said it, it's the first time I've ever heard that. Uh, and so, so Paul is saying here that uh, uh, in verse 10, uh, he said, look, if I realize I don't have the ability to do something, to, the grace to deal with somebody, the, the strength to deal with the annoying people, he said, then, then if, I, if I will recognize that, then I'll also know, well, I don't have to, I don't have, to have the strength to do that. The Lord's going to give me the strength to deal with that. And that's the revelation that he got from, from this discussion with the Lord. That no matter if that person stays with him the rest of his life, then, then he said, then the power of God will come upon me. He'll give me the strength to deal with that. Well, wouldn't that, make you, wouldn't that bring joy to your life if you knew every time you got to deal with this person that the supernatural power of God would come upon you to deal with that? Then, you, then you'd be like, hey, then, then that's great. And that, to me, fits way better than some, some, you know, partial verse about sickness and disease that, I mean, in sense doesn't fit with the rest of this, these uh, statements that he made. Uh, wouldn't you there, therefore uh, take pleasure in your, in your weaknesses or your inabilities to deal with things, knowing that because you have the faith that God will give you the strength to deal with it? Now, you know, there's plenty of things that we can deal with because, you know, it's not a bother to you, right? Some things just don't bother you at all, whatever. You know, I mean, like the temperature doesn't bother, bother me. But if it's hot, doesn't bother me. If it's cold, doesn't bother me. You know, even when it's free, I go to bed at night, you know, uh, and it's like, you know, 39 degrees in the house. It's just just a thing, right? I mean, you know, during the day, it's comfortable, right? But it turns dark, you know, uh, frost starts climbing up the windows, right? Because uh, uh, Chris likes to sleep when it's cold. Well, doesn't that bother you? It, it's just a thing, right? That's what she wants. It doesn't bother me a bit, right? She likes it, you know, bitter cold, you know, and and I, I, go, I dress to go to bed, right? Most people undress to go to bed. I dress to go. I put muffs on, you know, gloves on, you know, and I got the little hand warmers in there, you know, and stuff. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, and then, then I get up and I get undressed to go to work, right? Uh, I take all the layers off. And, and, and so, uh, see, that doesn't bother me, right? Some people, you know, if it's, if it's you know, supposed to be 72 degrees and 73, it's like, oh. I mean, when I ran the sound, I had to run sound and thermostat, People would come back there and just, just the meanest. I mean, Christians are so mean to you. I'd say, I hope you're happy you're all burning up. They'd say that. I hope you're happy you're all burning up. You know, it's like, just go to hell for a day. You'll find out about how hot burning up is, right? I mean, you know, he's complaining about it because it's 73 degrees in the, in the sanctuary, right? And, of course, the little old lady over here is shivering. You don't care about her. Uh, you just care about you, right? And we're all burning up, you know. You know turn, it, turn the thermostat down. And they wouldn't ask nice. Hey, you know. Don't want to bother you, you know. Would you mind if you turn it? Down? No, I was like, shut up, turn it down. You know, you know, I'm the king of this 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 uh, sanctuary, and you know, because you want to ask, well, who died and made you king, right? I mean, you want to ask people that because so for them that was an infirmity, right? If it's not perfect temperature, they can't. Oh, I can't. I can't exist. You know, it's just I'm burning up. You know, uh, and, and so uh, so what do they need? They need the power of Christ to rest upon them, right? Because they can't. Now, see, for me, I don't need the power of Christ. It don't bother me. I don't care. You know, I've been to Africa, it's 105 degrees. I mean, I've been preaching 110 degrees, 115 degrees outside, you know. And, and uh, people just sweat and just like, you know, I'm not a sweater, but just sweat. I'm just, just like, like, like they all look like T.D. Jakes, just sweating everywhere. Just, you know, just sweat flying everywhere. And they're okay with it, you know. I'm not sweating at all. I just, you know, going along, just everything's fine, right? Just no problems. And, and so I don't really need the, the grace of God to help with that. I, for me personally, it doesn't really bother me that much. But for other things, you know, you go home and your lawnmower uh, quits working and you're ready to mow the yard. 
kick the mower, you know, say bad things about, you know, whoever made the thing. And, uh, and um, that's an area I need the power of Christ to rest upon me every, you know. Uh, some people, it's like, ah, it's the machine, you know, to mow tomorrow, right? Well, I don't want to mow tomorrow. I've got other things I was planning to do tomorrow. Right now, I want to mow. I've got, I got 37 minutes I can mow. I've got everything planned, you know. Uh, and, and so that's when I need the grace of God upon my life. That's when I need to yield to the grace of God and deal, dealing with those things. And, and to me, that fits with the whole counsel of everything Paul's ever talked about. That fits. He uses the grace of God, the power of God uh, in his life to overcome, in this case, people that are really annoying to him. Uh, and, uh, and he used that. And so that's why he's glad somebody comes along and he knows, oh, that's one of those guys. And he goes, let's just see the Spirit, the Spirit of God move. You want to? Let's just see what God does. And so, you know, to me, just in learning that, that has been great, a great blessing in my life that I can go into any circumstance now and just, let's just see what God's going to do. I don't have to get upset. Oh, I, I know that bothered you. Have we met? I mean, you obviously don't. I was working with a guy the other day. He, he did something wrong, caused a bunch of, you know, a bunch of mess and stuff. And he goes, oh, you know, I, I can't believe I still have a job. I can't believe you haven't fired me yet. I'm like, have we met? Uh, you, you obviously don't know me yet because it was just a mistake. It wasn't anything, you know, that was intentional. Just, it just happened. You know, things happen, right? And he was thought I was all upset. You know, I know you're upset. Have, have I indicated in any way that I'm upset, you know? I mean, have I kicked the dog or said something bad about your mama? Are you raising or anything? I mean, there was, he, there was no evidence that, he, that, he's, that I was upset because I actually was not upset. It's just a thing, you know? Uh, I'm always moving forward. I, gotta, I, I can't, if I, if I get upset, that I'm stuck right there until I quit being upset. I'm always moving forward. I, I can't deal with that. Uh, and so, and I just wanted to bring that point out about verse 10 there, that therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. It's not that he, he's, he likes being uh, put upon by these demonically influenced people. He just knows that if, if I get into a situation where I am not able to deal with the situation in my own strength, I know the power of God will come upon me and, and give me the strength to deal with that situation, whatever the situation is. That's why he takes, takes joy in it, right? He's not crazy and, and likes being in pain, in pain. It's that he knows that God will always provide. So there's no need to be upset. There's no need to be concerned, right? In reproaches, because so, so the infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, those are all things that people are going to bring into his life. Uh, so these annoying people that are causing these things, reproaches and necessities and persecutions, bring it on. I can deal with it. Uh, you're an amateur. And, you know, uh, in dealing with, with my pastor for all those years and all the persecution that I suffered under, under his ministry, the one thing that I, I got out of that was this verse right here, these verses, was that, no matter what persecution comes my way, I've got the ability to deal with it. And so now people come and try to say unkind things to me. And, and you know, my response is, you're an amateur. I've been persecuted by experts. You know, come back when you've got a game because you're, you're really embarrassing about how bad you are at persecuting me. You know, come back when, you, when you're an expert at persecuting me, right? I've been persecuted by experts. And so because the grace of God now, when somebody says something unkind, it's like, Whatever. You know, would you like fries with that? And of course, uh, usually my response many times is I just start laughing because it's like, you're an amateur. Then of course they get twice as mad and we start laughing at them, right? They go, what's wrong with you? You're laughing. Because it's the, you know, the Bible says that he who sits in the heavens laughs, right? Uh, and so uh, it's, it's, sometimes it's the best thing you can do for a devil is to laugh in their face, right? Because they just get so mad. When you're, when you're not mad, they get even twice as mad. Uh, and, and that's really, you know, to me, in the whole counsel of God and everything Paul talked about in faith and Jesus talked about faith and the grace of God, all that fits perfectly well with, with what Second Corinthians 12 is talking about. If it was talking about sickness and disease, it'd be this off, off, you know, this separate doctrine that's completely separate from everything else we know about Paul and, and Jesus and, and healing. It'd be its own doctrine all by itself that doesn't fit anywhere else. And, and you should never build a doctrine that stands all by itself. It has to fit in the whole counsel of God. And the grace of God that's there to bless you and assist you in, in every circumstance, that fits with, this, with these verses, right? And so, so you can take, take uh, uh, I mean, I don't, know, you know, I don't know that I've ever said I take pleasure in infirmities, but Paul did because uh, he was excited to see, well, let's see what God's going to do. Let's see how God is going to strengthen me in this circumstance against these people that are being, being unkind towards me. Let's see what God does on my behalf. 
and, and that fits really well, amen? And so take pleasure in your infirmities, amen? Because God will, will provide, if you have the faith, to believe that his grace will come through for you, right? That's the faith that Paul had to obtain with that God was going to come through for him uh, in that situation. And so most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities or weaknesses or my inabilities to put up with these things that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, and so the Lord knows when, you're, when your personal ability will come to an end, he'll kick in and, and add his ability to that. Uh, and you can deal with everything. That means you can deal with everything. Didn't Paul say other times that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, right? Uh, and so didn't Paul say that I live by the grace of God uh, who loved me and gave himself for me? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So you can go through all the, all the doctrine of Paul that he's talked about. It all is going to run through. Didn't he say that I am what I am by the grace of God? Uh, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, right? That fits. Fits everywhere we keep reading stuff. It fits. Second, but to say it was sickness doesn't fit anywhere. Jesus never put sickness and disease on anybody. Not to help them, not to teach them, not to train them. Not because, I mean, if anybody had revelation, didn't Jesus have more revelation than anybody? Put together ever for all eternity? There was no sickness and disease put on Jesus to keep him from being exalted above measure. Uh, you know, if anybody would have, you know, Paul was an amateur compared to Jesus. And surely Jesus would have needed to have shown by example that, hey, when you get too much revelation, you've got to have a little bit of sickness and disease to keep you in line. I mean, if anybody would have, Jesus would have, right? How many times did they try to exalt Jesus before time? Plenty of times, right? And so why didn't, they, why didn't God just put sickness on Jesus to keep him from being exalted? The people tried to exalt him, but, you know, God could have taken care of that himself. By just making, put, you know, a little, little leprosy on him or something. Maybe, you know, a little itch or, you know, a mole or something, you know, or something that caused him discomfort. God never did that. And Jesus was there to be our example. Uh, and so why did Paul have to suffer something that Jesus didn't have? Because Paul was, in, was, was uh, a man of much less revelation than Jesus was. So, uh, you know, the, the, I, like, I like looking at things from multiple angles to see if it fits. And, and, and any simple review of this is talking about sickness and disease never fits. Even just the simplest review of it. Uh, that it's grace dealing with, with the, the unkind words of people fits in, in the whole counsel of God. Amen. Uh, and so, so uh, we'll, we'll finish up there. And, and uh, he has uh, a few more things to talk about these things. Um, and then um, uh, we're getting close to the end of this chapter. So, but, you know, th this, this doctrine or this concept that Paul was sick is a major hindrance to people in receiving uh, the, the doctrine of healing. Uh, and who do you think has got the most interest in reducing the doctrine of healing in the body of Christ? It's the devil, right? It's not surely not God. And people say, well, God's trying to make sure it's not you know, too extreme. It's not extreme. God wants to heal every single time without exception. Of course, people will say that's extreme, right? It's not extreme. It's just normal. It's what a normal loving, kind God would do is desire to heal every single time with no exceptions. Uh, anything less than that, you'd have to wonder about the loving kindness of God, right? In what way am I better off when I'm sick? There's, there's, I'm never better off when I'm sick, amen? Uh, and so, praise God. Well, let, uh, well, why don't we pray and we'll thank the Lord for, for the word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, that uh, in difficult times and dealing with difficult circumstances that your grace rests upon us, Father. And we have faith in that. So therefore, Father, most, most gladly will we, will, we, will we rejoice in our own lack and ability, Father. Because your grace will come upon us to deal and to, and to overcome, Father. And to see the salvation of our Lord. Father, you will protect us and you will watch over us, Father. Uh, and we know that you've already provided your grace for us. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's let's uh, uh, receive the offering. And one other thing, uh, and uh, just as we was praying, the Lord showed this to me, that what did Paul ask for? He didn't ask for grace. What did Paul ask for? To remove the thorn, right? I asked three times to do what? Remove the thorn. Uh, and uh, what, did, what did Jesus say? He said, my grace is sufficient. Paul had the answer the whole time, but didn't recognize it until the Lord revealed it to him. Uh, and, and so how many times do you already have the ability to deal with something, but you don't know it? I mean, from, from the, the, the last drop of blood that was shed on the cross gave you all the ability to deal with everything in your life.
uh, and you've already got the capacity in your life right now to deal with it, but many times you don't know it. You know, I, I can't do it. You can do it. You already, you are, if you're born again and the Spirit of God lives in you, you are right now capable of dealing with every circumstance in your life. Now, uh, the grace of God is there. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, so the Lord just ignored his request because it was out of the will of God. Because what he was saying is, I don't have the grace to deal with this, so take it away. Well, then, then he was, he was uh, not doctrinally correct. Uh, and so the Lord had to adjust his doctrine, didn't he? You are able to do it right now. Uh, and my grace is sufficient. He, said, I'm gonna, uh, he didn't say, I'm going to give you more grace. He said, my grace that you already have, you know, that added that part, but my grace is sufficient. The grace that you've already got right now is sufficient. So, so do you have the grace right now to, to deal with every circumstance? Right this minute. Uh, and so if I ever hear you say again, I just can't take it no more. Then I'm going to say, well, what did Paul say, right? Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because that's not biblically true. We feel like it's true, but it's not biblically true. Amen. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and we won't even charge you for that extra little freebie right there, right? Uh, and so... <clears throat> Praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. And uh, uh, we're about to finish up with this book here. We, we've already purchased the next set of books, and we're working on finishing up some notes for that. Uh, and um, we'll get that uh, here in the next four or five years or so, I'm sure, right? So, um, And so, um, let's see. I guess uh, it's uh, almost, well, it's June, so we're going to camp in about a week or so. Me and Jared are going to camp, but we'll be here for Sunday morning service and, and healing school, so... Uh, all right, praise God. Well, uh, go find some devils to conquer this week, right? Uh, and have a great, good week, Lord, and you're dismissed.